Do you see those people that are so good with signs and they're just twirling them at that? Oh my goodness. It's almost like, you know, it's, 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 it's the hardest thing because you can like, you can, you can, you can get it going. That hurt a little bit, but um, I'll, keep, I'll keep going. I didn't want to like, uh, I don't want to face it towards you, but it's, it, I don't know. It's, so next time you see somebody doing that, it, just admire it for a moment. It's like, that doesn't come easy. Now, if you tell me there's like a finger hole or something that you spin it around, the trick to the trade, I might think differently. And, but uh, right now, I'm just really admiring the fact that there are people that can do this and advertise like this really beautifully. Anyway, we'll come back to this. Remember, I'm going to be carrying this for a long time. It's just, uh, it's like, yeah, you're doing well, Pastor. <laughs> you're, well, you're not even off the ground yet. <laughs> well, we haven't officially started counting yet. And it's, it's not money. We're going, oh, that church talks about money a lot. No, 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 no. This is about personal relationships with people and loving people well and being in mentoring relationships. That's what that is. Hey, speaking of mentoring relationships, I want to I share a little video with you. And um, I hope you won't be offended. I don't think you will, but it's, uh, it's quite interesting because I thought about what could, I, what could I do or say that would be warm welcoming, that would be a love gesture from me to you, and that would talk about our church, would kind of highlight our, our church, and we could come back to it every week and just really dig deep into it. So uh, listen to it. See if you don't recognize it. If you were somebody who watched TV in the 80s. 80s? Now, 80s shows are still on TV now. They totally are. But anyway. Making your way in the world today Takes everything you've got Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot you like to get away Sometimes you want to go Well, everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see The troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name So for some of you that have, have seen that, and it's like, that's the theme to a bar setting. <laughs> well, it's still a really funny show. And um, we just have it in a church setting now. So I know we can play it off of YouTube in our membership, but we've got to make sure we're not going to viol violate copyright if we continue to, to play it. Or if I get a bunch of emails to go, do you know what that means? It's like, no, stop, 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 stop. I'm not encouraging everybody to go meet at the sports bar to watch the Jaguars game this afternoon. I'm not going to do... Oh, oh, are they playing today? 
Oh, what? Okay. Anyway, we'll just uh, go on with that. Hey, uh, you know, guys, rumor has it, the baby shivers in the cold. Maybe instead of gold and perfume, he would enjoy a blanket. <laughs> on Reverend Fun, those are free cartoons, and the other ones uh, I found out cost. <laughs> so, again, we have to respect copyright. I can't, I can't knowingly do something, place something that requires payment and then not pay, and ask the Lord to bless the service. So I got to fall within all the parameters of legality. Um, if you look at Romans 13, God puts in place people that, in authority to, to rule over communities and other people. And yeah, anyway, so that's, that's kind of cool. I did have my best friend from Arizona call me yesterday. He texted me yesterday. And he said, you know, if it was the wise women, they would have been on time. Right? They would have brought diapers and formula. That was cute. That was cute. Okay, so Jesus, uh, would you help us today? Um, I'm the messenger. Your Holy Spirit is at, at work and alive in our hearts. And we just ask you to quicken our hearts and minds. You to birth truth, new revelation to us. That would take us to a new level of uh, a spiritual maturity. And at the end of the day... The litmus test will be, once we leave here, not to go and tell everybody what we know and what we learned, but it would be to see how well we loved sacrificially one another and uh, poured out mercy and grace as you do and did for us, Jesus. So, um, yeah, help us to be mindful of that and you orchestrate today's timing and service, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. So as we go, this, this first uh, part of the message, um, I usually don't bring notes with me, but I like to bring them today because otherwise I'll lose my place <laughs> and there'll be lots of lulls in the action. It's like, <laughs> okay, that was a long lull. <laughs> Do you want to bring notes next time, Pastor? <laughs> so if you want to follow along, go on your phone with me, please. And you just check along because I'm just having it on my paper, yeah, right now. Just do that. Amazing. The Magi. The visit of the wise men. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which was the ancestral home of David, why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? You can chime out. This is, this is a free play. You can chime out right now. Why Bethlehem? Yeah, well, yeah. Ancestry goes back with David and, and under the king, and I'm going to get to your answer because last time you spoke uh, out, it was really gl glorious and beautiful, so I want to get that. But Augustus required the, the, the families and the, and the head of household to return to ancestral heritage and really for taxation. But really, M M Micah chapter 5, verse 2 is to fulfill prophecy. Did I take it? I never steal your answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, great. I, uh, um, it's, a, it's a free share right now. It's a free share. So, yeah, so, so that's why they were in Bethlehem. So you're going, yeah, let's just stop and talk about things along the way so we don't get lost. And, and that's, like, for my purpose. 
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, who was an Edomite, not a Jew, Herod was a vassal king for the Romans. He was over. He was over the, uh, the Jews. And he was a spectacular builder. Has to look at the second temple before he was, well, before he died. And uh, here's the thing. He, um, he kind of went mad, kind of went crazy, kind of went insane. But anyway, let's try to get through this, uh, this uh, one verse now. Uh, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. That's all of verse 1. So wise men came from the east. We're going to study wise men. Yay! Wise men came from the east. Um, the Medo-Persian Parthian Empire. 600 miles away. That's a big trek. That, that wasn't the night Jesus was born. <laughs> Those Christmas cards... You might want to just go home and when it just displays that, right? Not. No, don't do that. It, it's the thought that counts. The wise men did come and visit. Hey, the wise men, we always see that there's three of them. And, and maybe so, or the three gifts, but you're going to learn today probably thousands. Thousands came probably, to worship Jesus. And it was glorious because they came 600 miles, probably over the course of a year, to worship Jesus. And guess what? The Jews rejected him. The Jews rejected him. And so God shows, hey, my people are going to reject me. But there are other outside groups that embrace me and embrace me well. Verse 2. Saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we, and that's Magi, saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Why do you think he was troubled? Why would, I mean, beside he was kind of insane. Um, why do you think he was, he was troubled? King Herod, king of the Jews. Because a king was born. And there might be another reason. V, that was beautiful. What's the other reason? Remember the procession? of possibly a thousand people or more coming over from uh, Persia, coming over to worship Jesus. Yeah, beautiful. Whew. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, quoting Micah 5.2, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, 
For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Ha! Ha! Poppycock! He's lying! <laughs> it it's just irks me when he lies. After listening, verse 9, to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the young child in the Greek. That's like young child, not baby. Young child. Possibly, I don't know, a year later. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So the gold would speak of royalty, the incense would speak of divinity, and myrrh, a myrrh of death. Preserve the body, death. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed on their own, to their own country by another way. Wow. Jesus, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for a little background. Jesus, thank you for opening minds and hearts to us today to be at a place where we can hear from you. Holy Spirit, you'll change our minds and our hearts. It doesn't work so well when it's my wife telling me what I'm doing wrong. But Lord, I'm open to that and you know that. Holy Spirit, you're the counselor. The Gospel of John tells us. You're our teacher. So may it be that we just thank you ahead of time for what you're going to bring us in your word today. In your holy and precious name, Jesus, we rejoice and give thanks and pray. Amen. Okay, so the Magi, the Magi, they appear in the history in the 7th century BC as a tribe in eastern Mesopotamia. Some would say that they were actually there with Avram, Abram, in the year of the Chaldees. Some say their history goes back there. All historians believe that they were ancient. They were ancient. We'll just settle with that. They were a one-God people, monotheistic. But as you can see, the, the G is lowercase. Not our God. Not Yahweh. Okay? Lowercase there. They were a wandering, a nomadic tribe, ancient people. And this is interesting. Oh, fiddle. They were highly schooled in many areas. They were a brilliant people, and you'll see that. They were a brilliant people. So why are they trekking 600 miles <laughs> to see our monotheistic God? Well, we'll find out in the next few moments. The Magi, they appear in Babylon. Uh, in the Babylonian, excuse me, exile, working for Nebuchadnezzar, so the leader of Babylon, who takes out the southern kingdom, and all the rest of the tribes, actually the tribes that were taken out 
722 BC by the Assyrians, they came and regathered in Judah. So when the Babylonians took out Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, and the Babylonians took out Judah, um, that, was, that was the end of Israel, the end of his people, except a remnant, except a remnant that he always kept behind, that he always blessed, that he knew he would bless going forward because they got to build the second temple under a Persian king named Cyrus. That's not part of the story today. That was free today, by the way. Okay, so they appear in the, Bab in the Babylonian exile working for Nebuchadnezzar as the people of Judah are exiled. Later we see, over here, them, the Magi, most influential in the Medo-Persian Empire. So what happened 70 years after the Babylonians took over, what did the Babylonians take over who? Judah. Okay, and where all the uh, tribes had regathered, the 10 tribes, or the 12 tribes, excuse me, had regathered. Then we've got here the Medo-Persian Empire who conquered the Babylonians. And so we got the Magi there move over to this leadership. And guess, guess what prominent prophetic person was a mainstay in the Babylonian Empire as well as the Medo-Persian Empire? Daniel, thank you. I might, I might need you up here for later. Thank you, David. That's nice. That's right, uh, Daniel. So, uh, so things are getting interesting with the Magi. Things are getting interesting here. They remain super influential from now until the birth of Jesus. So we got, we got 586. Okay, we got a little over 500 BC here. Got the Magi, the Magi members, super intelligent, super smart. They were, they were, they were magical people. They were really gifted people, and that's why we'll see why they were in the king's court and leadership um, in these uh, in these empires. Let's go on. The Magi, ooh, in the sixth century, that would be that would be in the five hundred still. The Magi embraced the teaching of a prophet named. Zoroaster. Zoroaster. Can you say that? Say Zoroaster. Yeah, they, yeah. So what's weird, so the Magi, they had their God, monotheistic, but then something better came along. And they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, woo, let's go Zoroaster. It was a prophet. And so, and so they went a different route. They went a different way spiritually, and I'll tell you why that's important in a moment. What drew them to this prophet was that their God, Ahura Mazda. I never knew why I didn't buy a Mazda. And now I know. Just kidding, it has nothing to do with that. What drew them to this prophet was that their God, Ahura Mazda, means wise God. Ahura is lowercase l for Lord. Mazda is wisdom. Um, was one. Monotheistic. So, so that's really what drew them, history tells us. Ahura Mazda was the creator of everything that can and cannot be seen. The eternal, the pure, and the only truth at the time. 
her Mazda was in a cosmic battle with Satan. That's interesting. That's getting closer to home. And so this uh, Zoroaster... Help me. Well, no, there's an ism at the back. Yeah, Zoroastrianism was later established by Darius I, the Great, as the state religion of Persia. Major kingdom there. This, this movement, this movement's quite interesting. But here's the thing. The Magi, brilliant people, lots of smarts, and we'll learn more that, that, that they were like the, they were the sorcerers. We'll learn a lot more about them just in the coming slides. But here's the thing. They need jerked it away to go to this false prophet. Here's the scary part. For you and I, for you and I, the Magi were open to change when a prophet piqued their interest and completely won over their allegiance. For you and I, how solid are you? How solid am I in my faith? We've got to think about that. What would it take for you to leave the Christian faith? Because as there's false teachers and gods back then, there are false teachers and gods now. What would it take for us to leave? There, there's some research that says that that that. that Christians, Protestant Christians, more of them leave the evangelical church to go to Mormonism than, than those that who practice Mormonism come to, to our Christian faith in Christ. There's, there's, there's also, check this out. So, we have any millennials in the room? Woo! Born in eight, between 81 and 96. Anybody? Woo woo! Thank you, one. At least. <laughs> okay. Okay. So check this out. So going to church, going to church, going to church, going to church, going to church. Look at this. One time a month, twice a month. Going to church, going to church, going to church. 35%. On the millennials, millennials, 35%. Um, Generation X, 65 to 80. Yeah! Woo! Who else besides me? Woo! 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 Yeah! I don't have them that research yet. Maybe tonight. I don't know. Um, okay, yeah. Well, I can see there's a lot of you, and thanks for being here. Somebody keep them from leaving. <laughs> we'll be okay. Baby boomers, 49%. Silent generation, 28 to 45. Look at that. More than 61%. Regular attenders. Here's the thing. As we get lower and lower in terms of generations. They keep going. Less people are believing in Jesus. Less people. I mean, this is, this is studies with thousands upon thousands upon thousands. The Pew Research Center. Fewer people are adopting Jesus. That's not, that's not great. 
That's not great. We just went through a worldview study, and we just talked about the fact that a low percentage have a biblical worldview. It's not the norm. So praise the Lord that you're here. But here's the thing. Millennials, I don't have the, uh, the Gen Z data, but millennials... Um, are, are the lowest group in terms of church attendance, in terms of uh, embracing Jesus. So as we look for partnerships, we look for people to pour into right here. As we look for that, look for some millennials maybe, right? <laughs> I'll find out about Gen Z. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's we, 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 we are called to keep this going. We are called... <laughs> If, if we don't go deep in relationships with people and Bible studies and, and just connecting in community, we'll always have a nice number of people. But in six months, like a third of you will be gone at a different church and a new third will be here unless we're going deep, unless we're having relationships where we're meeting with people, taking people on, going over the word with them. We had asked people to adopt and to mentor eight times over two months, or it could be eight times over four months, just every other week, but, but adopt someone, pour into someone. It's, it's that important. So anyway, we just, uh, it's, it's kind of weird. The fact that you just, I'm going to leave Jesus, people do it all the time. They do it all the time. And then when there's absolutely no hope, some come back. And what does Jesus do? He says, yes, come back. I've been waiting. You could have had so much more in me than had you gotten off track for a year or 20. You could have done that. <laughs> okay. Hey, let's take um, Zoroaster, the prophet, and Yahweh, our God. Each was monotheistic. Polytheism, lots of gods, was the norm in this time. Both had a hereditary priesthood. Both believed in a deliverer. Both had the priest as the mediator between one true God. God and man by means of sacrifice. Wow. So we're, we're seeing some similarities. The Magi. The Magi that embraced this prophet with Yahweh. Fill in these blanks with me. I've given you, you like the game hangman? That's a terrible title. Um, anyway, these magi were skilled in astronomy and astrology. They were involved in various occult practices, including astrology, sorcery, secret powers. They were especially noted for their ability to Blank, blank. Jane has the first one. Interpret. Dreams. dreams. Woo, mercy. You got it. Interpret dreams. So, wait, it's, it's heating up. Nebuchadnezzar. Magi. Then we've got Persia. Okay. Okay. And, 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 and the Magi is going to be in both of those kingdom councils. Interpreting dreams. Interpreting dreams. Nice job. Magi is the name that our word blank and blank are derived. Magic and? 
magician, magician. Liz and I watched Frosty the Snowman. It's from 1950. It was so good. Have you just seen the way that, that artistic talent plays out? And the magician, oh, I want that hat. Okay, it was just, it was touching, as you can see. Hey, the uh, law of the Medes and the Persians. Anybody heard that phrase in the Bible? Anybody heard that phrase in the Bible? Okay, okay. As you, as you look at that, take a listen here. In Esther 1 and Daniel 6, refers to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which came, guess from who? The Magi! The Magi! The Magi became the most powerful group of leaders, advisors in the Babylonian and Persian Empire. Or empires, I should say. Historians tell us that no Persian, get this, no Persian, and this is after Persia takes over Babylonia, no Persian was ever able to become king without mastering the scientific and religious disciplines of the Magi and then being approved and crowned by them, and that this group also largely controlled the judicial appointments. So what that says, here's my reference. Here's my proof text for that. You're like, I need a Bible reference for that. I can't take your word on that. Okay, I'll give it to you right now. Uh, Esther 1.13. Esther 1.13 tells us, listen to this. Then the king said to the wise men, who understood the times, for it was the custom of the king so to speak, before all who knew law and justice. So this magi, these, these, these people on these horses, okay, they're, 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 they're really paramount. But you're saying, Don, it's time to go. You've not told us the connection. You've not told us the draw. What's going on? You've not, you're, you're leaving us hanging with five minutes to go. You're, no, 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 no. Here we go. You ready for the draw? You want to see what happened? What was it that happened to the Magi? What was it that, that actually turned the tables to say, no more Zoroaster, we're for Yahweh. Here we go. Here we go. It was the prophet Daniel who bridged the gap between the Magi and Yahweh. In Daniel 2, the Magi could not interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream properly. You said that they interpreted dreams. I heard it from yourselves. But they couldn't do it. Check this out. We'll read this just really quick here. The astrologers answered the king, There's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing. Any magician or enchanter or astrologer of any of those people, um, it's, never, it's never been done, is what was said there in Daniel. What Nebuchadnezzar asks, what the king asks, is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except, except the gods. The gods, lowercase g, the gods. And they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. Wow. Dun, 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 dun. Not good. In Daniel 2.47, 
Daniel was able to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream properly. Daniel did it. The person that was exiled over from Judah in the king's court, he did it. He did it. God did it through him. Now watch the connection here. This is amazing. Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel a ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men. He preserved their life. You save somebody's life and it's like, yeah, you owe me one. <laughs> Don't forget, you owe me one. <laughs> you know, and in a Jewish culture, that was true. <laughs> Didn't I move you this last week? Well, I'm moving in two weeks. You better be over there at six o'clock, okay? That, that, that was a Jewish culture in the first century. That's how that worked. But anyway, this is a little before that. Uh, but anyway, so here we go. What good news? Daniel saved the lives of the Magi and taught them about the one true God. Daniel, in his book, he talks about the 70 weeks. He talks about the Messiah. Judah, Judah and Persia were, 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 were like together. The Jews and the Medo-Parthian, the Medo-Persian Parthian Empire, uh, they had influence. They were, they were close by. But Daniel is what bridged the gap. Daniel is what, is what made um, the Magi interested in Yahweh, the God who could interpret the king's dream. So here's the thing. As we see, as we see opportunities where somebody saved another's life, who was it? that saved your life? Who was it that saved your life before you were a Christian and came to Christ and have new life in him? Who was it that prayed for you? Who was it that did something that said, yeah, he's real. God's real. Who was it? It was my grandmother Bernice. Yep, my grandmother Bernice. Praying for me. I shut the door on her. I did lots of mean things. But she stayed the course. So I'm thinking, who was it for you? Who was it for you? Was it your mom or your dad? Was it both? Was it somebody else that brought you to a place of faith in Christ? Father-in-law. So who was it for you guys? Who brought you to faith in Christ? See, this is the challenge today. Is to think, well, that means God may want to use me because he's in that business of praying for somebody else to come to Christ. Who is it? Who has he put around your circle? Your oikos, your circle of influence. God's just having people show up in your circle of influence. Who was it? Who is it that you need to pray for? That you need to be a deliverer for? Oh, because there's got to be someone. You're like saying, yeah, I'm in Christ, but I don't have time to think about somebody and pray for them. And, and move them to a relationship where they could know Christ personally and have life. That would be sad. That would be very sad. So who rescued you from death? Do you have somebody's name? As our singers come and we close this service, as we get ready to, to again tonight go into a different text and highlight the birth 
And the odds of the prophecies being fulfilled for Jesus' birth is a number we can't even write. It's too long. Who is it? Who is it that you know God has put somebody in your path that you need to say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, save me. Jesus brought me peace. Who is it? Be thinking about it now, please. Does anybody else, anybody else besides my, my, myself have a name that's come to mind? Anybody else? Is there anybody that any of you are thinking? You got somebody? Who is it? Okay. And is there somebody now that you're praying for? Okay. What, do, you have, do you have a name? Steve, Dave. Steve and Dave? Okay. 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 Anybody have a name? James. Okay, so James. James, you brought your neighbors here. Yeah, I mean, that's, this is the thing. This is, this is how the word of God, by word of mouth, we're, we're living, breathing testaments of, of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in and through us for his kingdom. That's right. Anybody else have somebody you're praying for? Somebody you're praying for? For Johnny, yeah. For Johnny. Anybody? Yeah, V. For Joanna. Good. Yeah. And so when you go home, you're like, oh, I just told the church it's Joanna. And it's like, and so you're like writing her name down all the more. Who? Your dad. Your dad. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, this is what it's about. It's, this is what it's, anybody else? Anybody else have a name? Yes. Your family. Praying for your family. All of them to know Christ. Yeah. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. And so we just got to think through this and go, you've given me breath here for another year, Lord. What is this going to produce? What is it, what's going to happen that I could extend your light to somebody else and feel darn, darn good about it? Somebody told me the other day that this Diane, that she didn't want to talk to this guy that was filling up her tire with air. Did you want to share anything about that? Yeah, just, just, just share. Yeah, thanks, Carrie. So when the weather changed, we all had to go get air in the tires. Y'all wouldn't lie with me. So when I was sitting there waiting my turn, because it was taking a very long time, I was thinking about that poor guy outside in the cold because it was really cold weather, and that every time a car pulled up, he had to stoop down four times. So you younger people won't get that, but when you get to be a senior, I think I can do one car. So I'm thinking about this, that he's freezing, and he has to keep down, up, down, up. So I thought, you know what, it's Christmas time, I'm going to give him a tip. Then I started thinking about Pastor Don saying, you know, reaching out to your community and people would, and I'm generally a very shy person. So when he came up there and he checked my tires and gave me my report and when I would need new front tires and, and so I said, is there um, anything I can pray about for you? And immediately he said, yes. And then came the awkward silence. He didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And I'm like, why didn't you just keep your mouth shut? So I handed him the tip, and he looked at me, and his face just fell, and he said, I thought you were serious. 
And I said, oh, I'm very serious. So he shared with me that his father was just diagnosed with cancer. And he told me his, his name and his father's name. And so I've been praying for them ever since. But the feeling that you get when you reach out to someone and you, you're praying for them and God uses you, there is, like, I'm not accustomed to that kind of, like, with strangers, with my family, that's a different thing. But to have that feeling, just meeting a stranger and being let into their life and actually, like, making a difference for them, it was Unbelievable. You guys got to try this. <laughs> Amen. Well, and you can at the food distribution, right? Because we pray for, well, some of them aren't strangers so much now, but we pray for strangers all the time, everyone. So it's a great time. So, Diane, thank you for the encouragement of that. And if you'd yeah. like to have that experience, come to the food distributions. That's right. So as we sing, um, if you would just take someone today and pray for them, as the... As our praise team sings, if you have any business to do up at the altar, come to the altar and just kneel before the Lord. He, he knows you're super serious when you do that because it's that, it's that awkwardness of walking up here. There's something on your heart and there's people you want prayed for. You want to pray for them. Just come up. Or maybe you come up and you say, Don, this Jesus, who is he? How can I know him too? You see, you think you have to clean up your life to come to him, but you can't. Apart from Christ, you can't clean up your life. The Holy Spirit helps us once we come to Christ. And believe you me, I've walked with Jesus for 30 to 40 years, and I still have habits from when I was first born again that I still, I still do bad, bad things. We'll call them naughty in the Christmas season. Okay? And so, but God understands because he works with us in our naughtiness. He just does. Jesus is the only perfect creator and sustainer. So if you want to come up and meet Jesus, talk to me. Uh, let's get some more people up here, if we could, to receive some people. Uh, uh, yes, come on up. Thanks, Donna. Anybody else? Liz, thanks. Anybody else? Come up. That uh, would be just wonderful. Um, uh, James, you want to come up? Robert, you want to come up? We're going to bless you. God bless you guys. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Where are you going? Leave behind.
Jesus, in your precious name.